0: Hello friends and welcome back to Offbeat Grad. Today I have a guest, I have Kate from Work Well with Kate. You might have seen her on Instagram. She has a blog, she's doing it all. And Kate has a business that helps service-based business owners streamline and automate their own business, which I thought was really important for not only me, but also just freelancers and bloggers in general. Because let's face it, we are busy busy people and we maybe need to learn how to manage our time and how to focus on the things that matter most to us and Kate has some great tips so let's just get right into it.
1: So my name is Kate Rose now, and my title is technically a business system strategist. And that's just a kind of fancy way of saying I usually help women business owners, usually women business owners, but always business owners set up systems so that they can operate more profitably and less busy. So really just making sure they're making the most of their time and not wasting time on their business on things that aren't revenue generating or important to them.
0: Yeah, I know that's something I struggle with a lot. And I think it's a surprise when you like become a business owner. I'm a freelancer and I've been freelancing for years, but I don't think I had like an inkling of an idea like how much stuff goes into it that like isn't necessarily client work or that is client work, but it's like some weird extra that you like don't expect to find. And it's just a lot of admin tasks, it's a lot of repetition. And I think that a lot of small business owners, like freelancers, bloggers, creators, find themselves getting really overwhelmed with all of these like small admin things, which in your mind, you're like, this shouldn't take me forever, but for some reason it does. And it can really trip you up. So like, let's start with some productivity. So let's say you're a one woman business or a solopreneur, like what can you do to become a little bit more productive?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The first thing I recommend doing is just taking an audit of your week and seeing how you're spending your time. And I always tell people like the first thing I check for is is everything I'm focusing on essential to my business or revenue generating? And we'll be surprised at how many things don't fall into one of those two buckets. So essential, like maybe taxes or accounting or things like that, they're not generating revenue directly, but they are essential for your business or things that are directly generating revenue, like maybe marketing tasks or client work or things like that. So I normally audit for that. And then I also audit to see where could a robot step in and do this thing I'm doing. So for example, like, like posting for us or sending contracts, sending invoices. There's some great automation and systems that can do those things for us. And then am I staying in my zone of genius or expertise? So is this something, is this a task that I could outsource to someone? Is this a task that I could have an intern or an assistant do for me so that I can really focus on maximizing my time and making sure I'm spending my time on the most essential revenue generating things in my business? So those are kind of the questions I ask myself to make sure I'm really productive. But really at this stage in my business, I wasn't like this in the beginning, but I think it's become more and more of a focus as I've grown in my businesses. I'm not necessarily always focused on being more productive. I'm focused on doing more of the essential things in my business. So really just getting the things done that need to be done, not necessarily feeling like I need to be productive all the time. And I think as entrepreneurs and freelancers, that can be not a bad habit because I don't think anything's like bad or good, but it uh, can be a destructive habit. If you feel like you always have to be productive, that's when we start adding things to our plate that don't need to be there. So the focus on being quote unquote productive isn't necessarily my focus anymore. It's focusing on having less but better things to do in my business, if that makes sense
0: that makes a lot of sense. I like how you said it could be bad. I think it can be bad. So, <laughs> I've had uh, several occasions where I've like hit the wall of burnout and it that's just like you you reach the point of no return. And I don't think I'm the only freelancer who's experienced this. I don't think it's specific to freelancers. It's specific to like anyone who works in any setting. But I think specifically with freelancers who feel like they have to do it all, all the time. And we live in this horrible culture where like you go on Instagram and everyone's like, I don't take days off or fake. And you're just like, I don't know what to do with myself. So for freelancers and bloggers, like how do you suggest they avoid the dreaded burnout, which we all hate?
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, the number one thing is setting expectations and setting boundaries. I think especially for new business owners, for women business owners, for bloggers and freelancers who maybe have a lot of clients or brands they're working with, we have a tendency to want to say yes and kind of like, please everyone that we're working with um, or, you know, constantly fill our plates because that's kind of the cultural narrative of like, to be successful, you have to hustle constantly. And I think that comes from a lack of setting expectations about what we actually want. And then a lack of boundaries with the people we're working with. So I found for me, I am really successful at, Avoiding burnout and overwhelm when I clearly communicate to my clients, like what times I'm going to be online, how it's appropriate to communicate with me, what they can expect from me, what the exact scope of work is, when are things due. Then I don't have this constant panic of I should be doing more and more and more because I told them exactly how things are going to run or how things are going to move forward and progress. So there's not this constant need to um, be delivering more than I think I need to or reinventing the wheel with every single client I have. But then also setting Boundaries and still, I mean, what I'm like seven years into working it for myself at this point. I still have clients, even with all the expectations I set, even with all the boundaries I said, people want to push those boundaries. And so I have to be really firm and stable about what do I want? What are the expectations I have for myself? What are other things I want to do outside of work? And how does that come to be if I'm constantly working in my business? And the truth is, it usually doesn't. And so those boundaries become really important. In fact, this past week, I had a client who, even though we have a very clear set of expectations, was like, ask me for a few more things. And I just very politely and like, you know, firmly said like, hey, that's actually not part of our work together. If you'd like me to send a proposal for that, I'm happy to do so. Um, if not, we can just kind of stick to our scope of work we have now. And she responded really wonderfully to it. And so I think it can be that simple. I think sometimes we have these like fake voices in our head that this person's going to be mad at me if I don't do this, or what does this say about me if I don't do this? when really it just comes down to clearly communicating expectations and boundaries so that we can keep, um, you know, control of our time, control of our resources and really control of, you know, our stress level and make sure we're not burning out or feeling overwhelmed.
0: Oh my God, that was me. Um, When I first started, I really sucked at setting boundaries and it showed and that was why I had so many instances of burnout. And I think it was because I had like conditioned myself to think that like saying no was was some big taboo and if I said it they were gonna fire me immediately and like find someone else and and I mean maybe that was true but like we'll never know (laughs) but um but uh, yeah I think boundaries are so key and I remember I sent you an email at one point and I got like one of those automated responses back and I was like oh my gosh I need to invest in this like I don't know why I don't use this um I actually had to like separate my emails I have like a business email and I have a non-business email I had to take the business email off my phone because I've had clients send me messages at like legitimately two in the morning and it was like ruining my life. So I had to stop. So like, what are specific ways that you've successfully set boundaries? You mentioned a few, but I love boundaries. So if you have any more ideas.
1: The first and foremost thing, like this is something that to me is like a non-negotiable as a business owner is anytime you get into an agreement with a client or relationship with a client is sending them a welcome slash expectations email. So letting them know off the bat, like, when am I online? When am I offline? If you send me an email, when do you expect a response? Things like that that are so basic just make the relationship so much more like just like smooth, seamless, and can really empower your client because your client has no idea. Like sometimes I'll email my assistant at 3am. Not that I expect her to respond at 3am. I just like, I was thinking about it, wanted to get it out of my head. I have no expectation that she'll respond to it at that time. And so things like that, you know, just making sure we know that our client knows what the deal is can be really helpful. That's one. Another you mentioned that has been super helpful is having that auto response or like, you know, that I say it's like a um, FAQ autoresponder, like a frequently asked questions autoresponder, where anytime someone emails me, they'll get an autoresponder kind of answering the most common questions I get in my inbox. So I don't feel pressure to respond right away because they're getting at least some sort of information I know they need, whether it's, um, you know, Booking for a podcast, whether that's wanting to become a client, whether that's a question about a course, it gives them those resources automatically. So I'm not having to go in there and answer them custom. Um, the other thing I do is like this might sound cr- like uh, like taboo, but I only work with clients I know are going to respect my time and boundaries. Like, I think it's pretty easy for us. like <laughs> you know, like, Um, right off the bat, you can kind of tell, like, if someone's not respecting your time, if they're showing up late to calls, if they're not kind of respecting your process for me, like that's a hard no. And I think it took me a while in my business to realize like, I'm choosing them as much as they're choosing me. Like we think we have to say yes to every single person that comes on our plate because we're like scared we're going to leave money on the table. But the truth is you're going to waste more time and probably lose money if you're working with a client that's disrespectful of your boundaries and your time and doesn't appreciate the fact that like, you have your own life, you have your own schedule and things like that. So a big part of boundary setting for me has also been just like choosing and selecting who I want to work with based on who's respectful of the way I run my business, which has been huge for me and can make a mountain of difference, especially when you like stop getting those crazy, like 12 page emails. First thing on a Monday, you are like, Oh my gosh, gives you you a panic attack. Exactly. And it's like, I almost like don't care how much money you're paying me. It's not worth it for me to feel that way. Um, And so I think making sure that you have some sort of process for vetting your clients and making sure you want to work with them as much as they want to work with you.
0: So along those lines, what are some red flags that you would look out for that might be like, oh, this person just <laughs> is not going to is not gonna respect my 2 a.m. no emails rule?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think first and foremost is when people try and skip my process for becoming a client basically. So like I have this discovery call process. We go through questions. I try and get a feel for if we're a good fit. And if people feel like they quote unquote don't have time for that, or they just want to start working together and they don't have really really a respect for the process. That to me is a major red flag. And um, when people miss the call and not for like emergencies, like when people are like, Oh, I just forgot. It's like, okay, like you, you don't even care enough about this to remember to get on the phone call. So if that's the case then this probably isn't going to work out. And then another thing is like, even when I'm on the phone, if they're pushing me on the price, if they're pushing me on the time, if they're kind of already pushing boundaries with me, that to me is a huge red flag. Like I, I think it's it's fine to like ask people their pricing and to say, maybe that doesn't fit my budget. But when people are actively devaluing your work before you're even working with them, I think that can be a really hard place to start a relationship from. So maybe it's not a deal breaker for you, but for me, I just don't, I only want to work with people that are excited to work with me and see the value that I'm adding. And I fully believe that my prices are reflective of the value I add. And so if they're already feeling really hesitant about the price, I'll usually be really honest and say, Hey, Hey, if you're feeling like this is too much of an investment at the moment, take some time to think about it. You know, I only want to work with people that are really excited about that investment. And so those are some of the red flags that I've seen, you know, after seven, eight years of doing this, that you start to realize like there are some trends in clients that, and it's not that they're bad people. It's not that they're like, you know, awful to work with necessarily. It's just not a great fit for me personally. And I want to make sure that our relationship is not only a priority, but it's exciting and satisfying for them as well
0: that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. I think fit is so important and it's something that honestly just, I think it comes with experience and I'm sort of thankful for my time working with like those awful clients because they really like help you see what you don't want to do again. And I think that is valuable in itself, but I do wish I had skipped like so many of those unnecessary, like moments (laughs) of panic. So let's do a hard, hard shift. I know that you you mentioned earlier like outsourcing to like a computer. Um, so what kind of outsourcing like would you recommend for maybe like a small one-person business? Like I know you hear the word outsourcing and a lot of new or small business owners sort of freak out and think like, oh, I can't afford this or like that's too complicated. I don't have time. But I feel like there's a lot of misunderstanding that goes into what that could mean. So if you could just talk about it a little bit more.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the biggest misconception I see most often. Um, and it's one that I'm really, actually really passionate about dispelling is that in order to outsource to someone, you essentially have to have this like full-time salary to hand over to people immediately. My first Um, outsourcing experience, I was outsourcing for $15 an hour to someone for five hours a week. And that at the time felt like crazy to me. But what I was able to do with that time that I wasn't spending on those tasks, I was tripling the amount of money that I was paying her by focusing on the things that I really needed to do. And so anytime someone is nervous about outsourcing or scared about outsourcing, I always ask them, you know, what are the things that we're missing out on or what are the things we're saying? no to by continuing to not outsource this thing. And usually that's so much bigger than the fear of outsourcing. The other thing I see people really fearful of is this fear of, um, you know, a lot of us are control freaks, to be honest. And we, yeah, we want things to be a certain way, or we're scared someone's going to mess them up. And so that's another piece where I say start small. And, and what I mean by that is not just small project, but small commitment. So I never sign a contract with someone I'm outsourcing to for longer than 90 days to make sure I can kind of protect my investment and make sure the relationship's working, not just for me, but for them as well. And so to me, it feels really good to give them small projects and for a smaller time period and say hey if this works out that's wonderful we can keep going if not let's tweak or you know test some things and make sure that it's right uh, moving forward but I'm not going to you know hand over client work to someone to outsource immediately without ever having tested the fact that like they know what they're doing they're familiar with this it's in the right style it's the type of work that I would want to put my name on and so I recommend just starting with smaller things and it is an investment both in your time and your money and so So you have to make sure you're working with that person and getting them on the right path. But it's the type of investment that's going to pay off tenfold if you find the right person. And so I really believe in starting outsourcing as soon as you can. If you have an extra like $100 a month, you can start outsourcing Any you know, there's a ton of tasks you can outsource in your business, but I really recommend thinking about that because it puts you on a path to scaling and growing your business. Even if it's taking more time in the beginning, it's eventually getting those tasks off your plate instead of you doing them. Maybe it takes less time in the interim, but eventually you're going to have too much on your plate and feel that overwhelm or anxiety from burnout that you don't want to feel. And so I firmly believe that part of my job as like, you know, quote unquote, the CEO of my business is to invest in making sure other people know how to do the things that I don't need to be doing in my business.
0: Yeah. That makes a lot more sense. And you put it that way. I think, I think there's a lot of confusion about it and fear about it. I know I'm a control freak for sure. And that has held me back before. I have outsourced minimally, um, usually just like smaller admin tasks or like sometimes graphic design, things like that that are just a time suck for me. And I've actually never regretted it. It's always been like a positive experience. um, And it's not as scary as it sounds. And it's definitely something I want to invest in more. I know of a lot of bloggers who actually will invest in like writers to keep the content on their blog going. And I think that's excellent. Um, my biggest concern over that is I'm, as a writer myself, it's hard for me to let go of the idea that I can't pay them like what I would want to be paid. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's just me in my head, I or I don't know if you have the idea what to do
1: about that. I do. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a huge thing. And for me, you know, obviously my investment has gone up as my business has grown. And so I think for me, what always feels fair is like, whatever I'm making, I want at least part of that to be going back to obviously the people that are working with me and for me. And so I try and make it really fair and look at it from a percentage standpoint, look at it from a place where they can be growing in their business as well. So even my virtual assistant and my online business manager, like we have conversations about bonuses. We have conversations about, you know, growing the amount of work they can do. And we have conversations about what their goals are, because I truly believe in making sure that it's, you know mutually beneficial beneficial. beneficial relationship. It's not just that they're, you know, working away from me and, and getting like minimum wage, but there are some people that are just starting out and part of their job is learning how to do these things. And so they feel excited that they're getting paid to learn this thing. Whereas if someone's been copywriting for 20 years, obviously I'm not paying them $20 an hour. It's a very different rate. And, you know, even in the beginning, sometimes I was paying people more than I was paying myself just because I valued their content so much. But I also knew it was going to drive the revenue in my business. And so I think that's a huge part of it, too, is when we're thinking about outsourcing, it's not just about kind of circling back to the beginning of our conversation of like, it's not just about being more productive or efficient. It's like, what are we working on that's going to actually move the needle? Because if we make more money, then we can actually spend more money on the people that are working with us, which feels really good
0: that all checks out. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. I think I, I realized that rationally because I know when I started, like if I was fresh out of college and I got an opportunity to write like in a field that I wanted to write in, then then I would be ecstatic to work. And I worked my first gosh darn internship after college paid me legitimately eight dollars an hour. <laughs> and I'm out here like complaining and I would never ever pay someone like that. <laughs> Just, right. like, I know. So it's like I know that like in person businesses like are Worse even at like compensating people in fields like marketing. So I think it's all honestly just all in my head as most things are. So you talked about setting goals, and I think that's something I, I struggle with. It makes it seem like I struggle with really everything. But um, how, do you, how do you know what goals, like what's really going to push the needle forward? It's so easy to get distracted by like the little things and not really make progress. So where do you even define these real key things in starting your business?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. One of my favorite books is this book called Atomic Habits. Um, it's amazing. And there's a quote in there that I absolutely love that I use all the time that says, we've Seldomly rise to the level of our goals. We always fall to the level of our systems. And so, basically, so many of us set goals and we never reach those goals because we don't have a system for how to get there. So we'll say, like, I want to get ten thousand followers on Instagram. We'll like say that, you know, one night or like write it in our little like um, you know like vision journal. And then the next morning, we just kind of go about our you know daily tasks. And then a year later, we're surprised when we haven't hit that goal. Instead of saying, okay, I know that I want to do this thing. What are the daily actions I can take to make sure I'm making progress on that. So maybe it's, posting four reels a day or, you know, engaging with five people on Instagram every day that feels so much more manageable than this big goal of getting, you know, however many followers and the same is with any goal in your business, you know, we'll have these big financial goals. People say, I want to make six figures in my business, but we haven't even made a thousand yet. Okay. So like, let's focus on these smaller goals first and set up habits to make sure that we're achieving those things. And so I think so often we don't understand the correlation between systems and goals and really the systems are the things that are going to get you to that ideal like aspirational place you want to be in. So we have to think about those habits day to day and what are we doing on a small micro level to reach those macro goals. And so I think putting those systems in place and having things you do consistently is the key to goals no matter what they are.
0: Yeah, I like the idea of habits instead of like big overarching goals. I think it's a lot more attainable for everyone. And that's always good. And also I, I like having a financial goal, but I don't like letting that define me too much because it's not always a good indicator of like progress. That makes mm-hmm. sense. I don't know. Um, it's hard. Cause when I first started, I was like, I want to make X number of dollars a month. And then now as I've grown, that's, that's not usually what I, I strive towards. And it's weird how it changes like that. But speaking about habits, like one of the hardest ones, I think for freelancers, especially is how do you like, break free from the laptop? How do you turn it off? How do you stop being guilty about about walking away at the end of the day, about outsourcing? How do you just like, like learn to let go, I suppose, as they would say in Frozen?
1: Yeah, exactly. Let it go. I mean, a big part of it, again, is that expectations and boundaries. I think what in the beginning, what kept me tied to my computer for so long was thinking that people were going to expect me to be on. It's not that I necessarily wanted to be on, it's that I thought other people needed me to be on. And so again, setting those boundaries and expectations was huge. But then two, it was also being intentional about having something to do after work. I think for so many entrepreneurs, we consider it like our hobby, the main thing in our life, like the only thing we're focused on. So of course we have a tendency to always spend our time on our laptop when that is like the thing in our life. And so for me, it was probably like four or five years in where I realized like, I need to have other things I do. I need to like sign up for group fitness. I need to like schedule time with my like now husband like I need to do these things to get me away to have a reason to get away because if not my default is going to my laptop and so I think for me it was about being intentional about scheduling other things and making them just as much of a priority as my client work or anything else because that's what's actually going to get me to break away and I knew that my business was actually better off if I took breaks, if you're constantly in it, you're not able to have some of those like aha moments. You're not able to see some of like the major gaps in your own business because you're too close to it. And so actually taking that break, going to yoga, going on a walk, taking a vacation, it's actually better for your business because your business has time to like, you know, kind of take a break from you and you come back with fresh eyes and say like, Hey, this could be different or I could work this this way. Or I realized now I was kind of dreading this when I came back. So how about we change that up or fix that. And so I think intentionally scheduling other things to do and having time outside of your business is key. Cause if not, of course your default is to go check that email, you know, see that someone emailed you at 2 AM and then be (laughs) nervous about it for the rest of the weekend. And so the only way for me to break that habit is to intentionally schedule something else. Or like you said, like having two different accounts, separating it in some way where when you're out, you don't get um, the reminders of your business constantly.
0: Yeah, those reminders were the worst. I don't know what I was thinking. I was just like, sure. And I would check it when I was doing other things. And I don't know why, because I'm like, I will ruminate on it. Like, I cannot let it go. So then it'll just like ruin my whole day. So definitely delete that app. Just don't even have it on your phone. I think that's that's one of the biggest keys. But great. I think these were wonderful tips. You've inspired me to outsource. I've been like considering it heavily. But now I think I will. I will actually... Consider, not consider. I will, I will do it. I, I need to do yeah. it. And I think I should just do it. I say that every podcast, but I <laughs> mean it this time. But last but not least, where can people find you if they want to learn more about your, your business, your automations, you have great blog posts, etc.?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you can find pretty much everything for me at workwellwithkate.com. I'm also probably most active on Instagram. I'm kind of new to TikTok too. I'm actually yes. Going,
0: oh my gosh, I love that. I'm
1: gonna go. I'm find like, it. yeah, I'm enjoying TikTok a lot as well. But in both places, I'm at workwellwithkate, and there are you know constantly free downloads, really cheap things for you to help you organize and scale your business. And you can find all of that on those social media handles.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you for joining me. Yeah,
1: thank you.